Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I got a couple more of them for you. Here you go. (laughs) You make me feel like a natural birthing person. (laughs) And, And for fans of old show tunes... Yes, you are my birthing person now. That's from uh, what's the uh, with the old man River? Yeah, that one, that one, the low voiced guy and the girl who sings. That's a good one. I don't know what the heck's the name of that musical. It popped right out of my river, Riverboat. No, old man River. Same shit. Porgy and Bess. There's a piece in the new atlantis right now about the absurdities of our late stage pandemic response by someone called ari shulman covid security theater is when we claim our actions are aimed at fighting covid but actually just part of our motivation is to to give the impression that we are fighting covid for the last year we've worn masks in restaurants unless we're sitting down we've stayed six feet apart whether we're running by on the sidewalk or sitting at a table away inside for hours at some point later and we've stood behind plastic barriers at the dmv and the checkout counter, even though we know COVID floats in the air. Yep, a lot of security theater going on all over the place. As a guy who recently traveled by air, my absolute favorite is you sit in a tube. Now, granted, it's a well-ventilated tube for hours with people. And then when it comes time to deplane, they tell you, uh, to protect everyone's safety, please remain six feet apart as you deplane. And you're like, oh my God, I'm going from a crowded airplane to a crowded airline terminal. And But for that, like two and a half minutes of standing in the aisle and walking up the jetway, we're supposed to be six feet apart. Hilarious. It's enough to make you want to get drunked up, take off your shirt, and uh, squeeze a waitress's... uh, 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 No, you you shouldn't do that, certainly. I'm guessing we have some Tim Pool fans in our audience. Tim Pool, who I've never uh, checked out his uh, YouTube videos. And, I don't um, think I know his work. I'll tell you about him in just a second, and then there's a... Uh, I think this all fits together. I'm going to try to make this all fit together somehow. Can I do that? Do I think I can do that? Well, maybe I'll start with Tim Pool. So Tim Pool is one of the most influential people in politics. And you know why you haven't heard of him? Because he's not on Twitter. And the belief is that he's actively not on Twitter because he realizes, and some people are starting to catch on to the fact, that um, the me- we've talked about this a lot. Uh, statistically, and this is all true, that more than half of America is not on Twitter at all. The average American does not have a Twitter account or go on Twitter to look at tweets. Then mm-hmm. among those people who are on Twitter, it's a very small percentage of people that do all the tweeting. But all of your mainstream media is on Twitter with a blue check mark, and they tweet at each other and argue with each other constantly. And a lot of the smart influencers out there have caught on to the fact that those jackasses have no idea what's actually going on out here and who's in doing the actual influencing. They think they're the power brokers of uh, of thought because they're all yelling at each other on Twitter. But the rest of us out there that ain't on Twitter, we're the ones really making waves. And one of them is this Tim Pool guy. Now, now you could, I'm sure you could find plenty of examples on the left. This particular guy is on the right, and, uh, and uh, he had a lot to do with... Uh, talking up the various Stop the Steal campaign and that sort of stuff leading leading up to January 6th and all that sort of stuff. 
There's actually a big piece that's in uh, the Daily Beast. Um, and the headline is how coward and phony Tim Pool became one of the biggest political YouTubers on the planet. Um, but I'm sure you could re- write this same article about somebody on the left that's doing the same sort of thing. And uh, one of the points that the author of this article, uh, Bob Sieta, is making, one of his main points is that the media is missing so much of the story of political conversation in America because they're so certain that all the important things are happening on Twitter and they don't spend any time anywhere else and they're missing the conversations and that's how we missed on the build-up to January 6th or a lot of the stuff that's happening on the left. I've Um, got to admit, Twitter's easy because it's so short. Jared Holt, who I don't know, but I looked at his his Twitter profile, if you'll pardon the irony, and he's a guy that looks at media and uh, the way things are going. Um, the longer I do online research, the more concerned I am that the political journalism's outsized focus on what happens on Twitter is producing severe tunnel vision of what is important on the Internet, generally speaking. was thinking about this again after speaking with Bob Sieta yesterday and hearing him theorize that a reason a massive online influencer like Tim Pool has evaded close scrutiny for so long may be that he doesn't post his video content, which reaches millions and millions of people, on Twitter. So this idea is that there are a whole bunch of reporters who uh, who are, um, are, are missing these big gaps in national conversation because they think that them yelling at their friends on Twitter is all of the conversation. You well, can, you combine that with the fact that they're either in Manhattan or the D.C. Beltway, and they all hang out with each other. They all have spouses in government and or media. Right. Yeah, it's incredibly insular. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, between cable news and Twitter, all of the important media, really left and right, they all think we've got it all covered here. Between cable news and Twitter, uh, uh you know, in, in the big newspapers, with all, all of political conversation is happening with us and we're talking to each other and we're telling you what you need to know. And there are people like this Tim Pool guy who are saying, no, no, we're the ones that are dominating the conversation. And that's why you could have a disconnect, kind of like Joe and I do, or maybe you do in your real life, like, what is going on here? I mean, where, what, what, I, you know, I, I, I try to follow news, and I feel like I'm missing something. Well, we are missing something. I've never watched a video of Tim Pool's, but he's uh, incredibly rich. He's the most watched independent YouTube political pundit in the country. I'd never even wow. heard his name until yesterday. Wow. His 3.3 million subscribers, which if all those subscribers watched a YouTube video on a regular basis, would easily beat Tucker Carlson, who is uh, the biggest thing in cable news by quite a bit and regularly referred to as a possible presidential candidate because of his influence, has uh, like two-thirds at best of the influence of this Tim Pool guy. 1.5 billion views of his uh, videos in the last year. He may he earned $600,000 just in August of 2020 from his Holy YouTube videos. Holy crap! Most of it coming from YouTube. So he's one of the highest paid pundits in the world with the most people paying attention to him. And I'd never even heard his name before. Wow. Wow. Shocking. And- and uh, the Daily Beast's point is, uh, you know, because of the direction they are about how just how awful this is. But I guarantee it's happening on the left also. You have sure. these, these these influencers that are getting billions of views. They're reaching millions of people. They're becoming crazy wealthy. And we're all 
stupidly mentioning the names of columnists in old media. Columnists in the Washington Post or, you know, uh, the, the, the Don Lemon on CNN or whatever. These people aren't just, they're, they're, they're ants compared to these influencers that are in other places. And the media, because they, they're not, they're only paying attention, they're, they're sniffing their own jocks traps. Um, oh, are, are, that is a disgusting, uh, and, Man, it's and already I, done. Can I rewrite What's that? done is done. I just find this fascinating. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I need to dig into that more. It's, uh, you know, we spend an awful lot of time preparing and executing this thing, whatever it is. But I got to clear off some time to listen to more podcasts, watch some more YouTube videos. The problem is the Twitter's so easy if you're lazy. You can take in dozens of tweets, yep. read paragraphs yep. in six minutes. But you know how long it takes to watch a six-minute YouTube video? All six minutes. And maybe it's good, maybe it's not. Then you got to watch another one and another one. I don't know if I'm explaining this properly, but we were talking yesterday, and we have been for quite a while, about the siloing of information, and we're all operating our own set of facts, and we live in a post-truth world because you can say whatever you want to your side, preaching to your choir, and nobody's going to call you out on it because the other side's not even listening to you. I believe that we believed that yesterday when I was just thinking of Influencers like the Washington Post, the New York Times, the cable news shows, for the most part, and people that I follow on Twitter. I read this article in the Daily Beast and I realize, no, 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 the siloing goes way beyond that. These silos that I don't even know exist that are reaching far more people than Tucker Carlson is or whoever's writing in the Washington Post. The fact that people are operating on separate sets of information is amazing. So one of the things the Daily Beast gets into in this article, and again, I'm sure this is true for the left as it is to the right, it's radicalizing the people that are making the content. So they they follow this Tim Pool guy and how he was, he calls himself left of center and how originally he kind of was, but the algorithms of YouTube were, uh, whenever he would hit on a certain topic, those uh, YouTubes would get more uh, views, and they would be fed to people who want to hear that sort of thing. And consequently, the viewers kind of radicalized him as he huh. realized people want this. People want more of this, and like, led him the various directions. And he just fed them what they wanted, as you saw there. In the most recent month that they have numbers for, he made $600,000. Great Scott. In a month, he means he's becoming just insanely rich with billions of views on these videos, and he's just giving people what they want. I'd like to see some of these videos, because by that description, he's a pandering greed head, as opposed to an ideologue who's attracted a following. But I don't know. I, I wonder what to the extent that you do it consciously or the extent that you just, um, I don't know. Yeah, interesting. With that much money at stake, pander away, my friend. Um, I, you know, I find myself picturing the court of Louis the Sixteenth and Marie Antoinette entertaining all the courtiers with her her wit and her beauty, and all of them discussing what's being said at court and who's in and who's out and who's in power. Blah blah blah. Meanwhile, there are giant mobs moving yeah. through the streets. Absolutely, actually moving history. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. And. Uh, I feel a little embarrassed, actually. But there there are people with podcasts that have millions of followers, YouTube channels with millions of followers, all kinds of people out there that you've never heard of that are a much bigger deal than, you know, the show you flip on every afternoon to get 
what you consider the news. Or but I consider Don Lemon's fun to, to mock. Can yeah. we still mock him? God, those people have no ideas what, what, uh, what ants they are in the overall conversation. Well, they get paid pretty well for being an ant. Fascinating. And I got one other thing I want to talk about donors that's kind of similar and affects our politics so much. Um, we need to replay the uh, the gold medal winning shot put when we come back because it's just so good. All right. I will grant you that if you will let me play the female weightlifters responding to the question of a transgender competitor. Both really good if you haven't heard them. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Ladies and gentlemen, from Oregon, the United States, six foot seven, three hundred and forty pounds, world record holder, shot putter Ryan Krauser. After an indoor world record to start the year, and now has come to Tokyo, Ryan Krauser. Oh, oh, man. That might be it. That's so close, you guys. The record is 76, 8 and a quarter, and he's just below that in his final throwing competition. 76, 5 and a half, the second longest throw in history. I get indoor and outdoor records for sprints and javelin and various things, wind-aided. You have to be a damn windy day for for the wind to affect the shot put versus the indoor record. Guy throws this thing. What does a shot put weigh? Is it 16 pounds? 100 pounds, 5 pounds. It's like a bowling ball. He heaves it most of the way from home plate to first base if you're a baseball fan. and then he makes That's the world record. And the key is he makes this sound. Every time I eat a Kentucky Fried Chicken. Nice. Nice. You proud of that? Another Olympic tape for you. This is a a reporter asking, I believe it's all the medalists in women's weightlifting for the heavyweight uh, division. Uh, Well, he's asking them a question. You can hear it pretty well. It was a historic night here uh, with Laurel Hubbard competing as the first openly transgender in a uh, in a uh, individual event. And I was wondering, you know, what you felt about that, and what you felt that, that it took place in in your sport. They're staring at him. Wait for it. No, thank you. All three medalists, different countries, just stared at him. So they they must till it became incredibly uncomfortable. Then the American gal said, "No, thank you." So they must have been talking about this to have a unified response like that. No, absolutely not. You no, don't, you don't think if that- somebody walked into the studio and said, "Hey, we're thinking of a human sacrifice, maybe a four-year-old little boy." Do you think we'd have to, you know, come no. together on a response to be horrified? No, I don't mean that they came together on the response, but they I'm sure they were talking about this, the other athletes. They had to be talking about, can you believe they're letting a dude lift weights? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure all of them talk about it all the time because it's going to ruin their sport. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was something, though. That was quite a moment. And how... 
How does that contrast with the view you'd get from the idiot stream media who just thinks this is wonderful? Well, part of it, you know, the ruining the sport, part of it, we just finished first, second, and third, the greatest accomplishments of our lives. We've dedicated our lives to this sport, and you want to talk about the so-called historic event. That's not what we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. How maddening would that be? Yeah, to get back to you know Louis the Sixteenth and the Marie Antoinette and the the salons of the powerful, the media, the opinion makers in America. You people, you have no idea what it's like in the real world, in the real country, in the neighborhoods, in the workplaces, in the grocery stores where the rest of us live our lives. You have no idea. Breaking pervo sex church news. Oh boy. Uh, this is all alleged. Not the Catholic Church, not the Boy Scouts, not U.S. swimming, not U.S. gymnastics. Or volleyball. Or volleyball. Uh, in this case, it's the uh, Hillsong Church, which if you know about it, you know about it. If you don't, you might not, but it's one of the world's biggest uh, things going on church-wise right now. An ongoing investigation into Hillsong Church founding Pastor Brian Houston has resulted in him being charged with concealing child sex offenses committed by his late father, Frank Houston. This oh would boy. be a big deal. Now, one of the, the, the best-known pastors in this church was having an affair and cheated on his wife last year, and that became a thing, and he stepped down and all this. But this would be uh, the current leader of one of the biggest churches in the world, hiding the fact that his dad had uh, child sex things going on. So, again, that's all alleged, but that will be a big shakeup in one of the biggest churches in the world. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Just like what's happened all through COVID, large corporations get bigger and small businesses, those family businesses, got collapsed by government pressuring. And what's government doing today? Paying more to the workers to stay home than coming back to work. You know, I started my first business when I was 20. The thing I learned in small business, you're the first to work, last to leave, last to be paid. This is government destroying small business as the, as the fiber of America. Minority leader Kevin McCarthy there, probably soon to be the majority leader. House of Representatives, third in line to the presidency, probably. Speaker of the House. Speaker of the House, yeah. Yeah. Probably, uh, yeah, probably. Anyway, uh, he factors into this next story. It was the main reason I played that, but uh, he's absolutely right. Uh, I, I, I missed this story while it was happening, but it is the biggest transfer of money from small business to big business during the COVID as they made all the small businesses shut down while Target, Home Depot, Amazon, Walmart made bigger profits than they've ever made in their history. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Keeping in mind that all those corporations have direct lines to the most powerful people in government. This is a get di- their bidding done. This is a completely different topic. But again, Kevin McCarthy factors in just as a politician. So from the be careful what you wish for department, <laughs> unseen unforeseen consequences so a lot of us including me for years and years and years thought big money in politics was just awful and uh, there had to be a way to do with that and remember john mccain worked his practically his whole life to come up with a way and citizens united and everything everything you'd been hearing about your whole life you know these big corporations and these 
billionaires out there donating money and the Koch brothers and uh, and uh, who's the guy on the left? Soros and all the, the, the money people that control. Well, so we uh, changed a lot of the rules and uh, didn't seem to do any good. We didn't need to change the rules, just needed to in- invent the Internet. And everything has changed in a very fast amount of time. And I didn't realize to what extent until you start looking into it the way Bloomberg did. Bloomberg, um, financial, their government division, looking into how much more money is raised from small donors now, which in theory, again, from be careful for what you wish for, in theory, we all thought that a whole bunch of small donors would be much more democratic, small d democratic, than than big corporations and the super rich influence the poli- influencing the politicians, but that is not the way it has worked out. Starting with the money, and they use Kevin McCarthy as an example. As recently as the 2018 midterms, and social media has been around for quite a while, but as recently as the 2018 midterms, McCarthy's campaign committee received three point two million dollars, forty percent of its total from corporate and other PACs. So forty percent of its total was from the big money. They only made twenty three grand from donors giving less than two hundred dollars each. That was in twenty eighteen. Huh. Wow. The most recent numbers for McCarthy, less than one percent of his six point three million dollar total came from PACs. Remember it was forty percent in twenty eighteen. It's now less than one percent, and he raked in two point three million dollars from small do- dollar donors. It was twenty three thousand in twenty eighteen. He's already at two point three million for this cycle. So it's, it's been flipped completely on its head. And the politicians absolutely love this. And I listened to a podcast about this yesterday. Um it costs more money to try to raise money uh, online than it does at the fundraisers that they used to do. So they used to, and it was usually in California, California bankrolled all the politicians in America. But, you know, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, whoever, would come out to California and you'd have a uh, a dinner and you'd raise millions and millions of dollars in that dinner for fat cats. But the dinner pol- table events. The politicians hate doing those. For a variety of reasons. The most obvious reason you can imagine would be that, can you imagine anything that would suck more than that? You'd <laughs> have to go into that room and kiss the ass of a bunch of rich people and just laugh at their jokes and just swallow everything they have to say so that they'll write, gi- write you giant checks. I can't imagine anything worse than doing that. Listen to their gripes, etc. And yeah. turns out the politicians do hate doing that. You also have the uh, fact that anything you said in those private gatherings had started leaking out in a way that it didn't used to over the years. And it takes time. You have to fly to some city. You have to spend the whole evening in an event. The raising money online costs a little more money per dollar raised, but you don't have to do anything. They just they just, uh, they uh, they they send out a clip of you giving a, an empowering speech on the, the floor of Congress, and they chop that up into little clips and put it out into social media, and they get donations. You go on cable news for one hit on Fox News or MSNBC and say something making it stand, sound like you're standing up for what's all good and right, and money mm-hmm. pours in that way. So the politicians love it that way. But what is happening in terms of uh, the influence end, so we all thought... If, if it was small donors instead of big donors, we would get more responsive government, more normal government, not controlled by the rich. But it's the most online crowd. It's the crowd that watches the most cable news, that listens to the most extreme voices, that follows the most extreme voices on Twitter and everything like that, that does all the donating. And they're pushing the politicians, in effect, 
because the politicians know where the money's coming from into more extreme positions. And well, what what I don't think a lot of us understood was that uh, giving political giving isn't intellectual; it's emotional. And the way you get contributions is to whip people up Excellent one point. way or the other. Excellent point. Uh, when a whole bunch of money it comes in, it isn't because people have you know uh, thought through the immigration policies of this politician and decided exactly. that, that this congressman is a, that is a compelling and, and, and successful sounding set of uh, legislation. I would like to support you in your efforts. No, the person that's on TV saying they're stealing our country. In the end, money's going to start to pour in while they're on cable news. Or the person on the other channel that's going to say, they're a bunch of racists, and they don't like the other, and they hate brown people. And then money start pouring into that person's. Yeah, the most right. most extreme, loudest voices are making way more bank than they did before from the, from your, your Koch brothers and your George Soros's. So we're ending up with more extreme politics and less representative of most of us than we ever did before. Yeah, one thing to point out very briefly, because I've been on this beat for a while, is George Soros has done an amazing job of getting extremist DAs elected all th- all through the country. San Francisco, Los Angeles, St. Louis, that uh, that gal whose name, uh, what is her name? It uh, doesn't leap to mind, but she is in serious trouble. She is just absolutely perverted justice in, in St. Louis. Uh, so, you know, those people still matter. But, yeah, it's a, it's a hell of a uh, unanticipated uh, curveball. Well, how about those numbers just from Kevin McCarthy's campaign? And I assume all the other ones are re- relatively similar. I mean, it's been flipped on its head in a couple of years. And there's no uh, – I haven't heard anybody explain on how we would get out of this um, echo chamber trap. They call it the – I think they call it the email uh, loop trap. But just – you you send stuff out to all the emails that you've got, and they send you back money. And the the more extreme you are, the more extreme voices send the more money. So you get even more extreme. How, how are we gonna How are we gonna break out of this trap? Where well, we've and got you combine the- that with the phenomenon that you've mentioned that a lot of Congress people no longer consider it their job to legislate. Their job is to build their brand online, social media, etc. So how does that work when it's time to actually? Time to govern. I don't know. Nobody anticipated this happening, so something unanticipated will happen in the future. But for right now, I don't see how we break out of this. The most extreme elements on both sides control all of our politics. I don't know. I don't know how that ends. Anytime uh, soon. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Rock the vote, everybody. Rock the vote. <laughs> Speaking again of George Soros, you see, his right-hand man, his financial guy, is on trial for horrible crimes against women. He's half a Jeffrey Epstein. His thing was like S&M and tying women up and oh. paying them lots of money, but then like severely beating them and saying and doing horrific things. So he's on trial. The guy's richer than you can imagine. He's got multiple multi-million dollar uh, New York, uh, you know, spreads, $9 million waterfront estate in the Hamptons, uh, et cetera. These people are high rollers, big in the city's philanthropy circuit, gave nearly half a million dollars to charitable causes in 2015, 2016, et cetera. But this guy had a sex dungeon, 66 years old. Jeez. He's uh, accused of having committed violent acts and sexual assault against a number of women. Six of his seven alleged victims seeking at least $18 million civil trial, I guess. But uh, anyway, I, you know, I'd tell you more, but some of it's really sick and disgusting. 
which in, and includes what sounds like a confession that he raped his own daughter. Oh, my God. Or that was some sick, sick S&M dungeon talk. Um, anyway, S- perv. The, the sex part of the brain, and it's usually men, uh, sometimes women, but usually men, the sex part of the brain is the is the, is, is the least logical or understood part of it all, right? All these successful people, they've got every reason in the world to not do what they're doing. And there's a way to get sexual pleasure legally and you know in all kinds of ways that wouldn't blow up your lives and they still do it. And I truly and deeply <laughs> apologize there there's for an, it. There's an example right there. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we all dream, or a lot of us dream, I think, of having so much money, all of our needs and desires could be met without, you just don't even think about it, spending the amount of money it would take to get whatever fantasy fulfilled. You got that much money. But, you know, from the Bible on, uh, you know, the wisdom of old will tell you that's the highway not to heaven but to hell. Oh, yeah, I might have You're dreamed You're going to screw it up. I don't know that I ever dreamed of that, but if I did, it was when I was younger, but I certainly don't now. I have. There's no part of me at all that believes that having everything I want is going to make me happy. Well, everything I want now, uh, you know, my kids to be happy and healthy and blah, 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 but s- stuff, sex, all the material stuff, no, nah, no. Nah, I'm, I'm, I've, I've had enough experience to know that that is not the road to happiness. How about a donut? How much do you want a donut? But how? Do, but so why is I've had a little success in my life and I came to that realization? How are you as rich as some of these people, or as powerful as some of these people, and you still think that another uh, sex with another person or another house or another whatever is going to make you happy? How, how do they? Well, how do they I, not? I don't know if it'll quote unquote make me happy, but I want it and I can pay for it, so I'm going to. Hmm. In that scenario, I, guess. I just think that's yeah. You see a yacht, you think that'd be incredibly fun. I can afford it easily. You buy your yacht. You don't philosophize about it. God, you're boring. Please. <laughs> I'm thinking a Manhattan sex dungeon would be nice. So I buy me an apartment. I buy the gear. I got a sex dungeon. I buy the gear. <laughs> you know, I got the, the thing and the, the, the swing and the other thing and all those uh, little things. And the, Oh, please. We're going to get crazy. Got to get the whips and the shackles and the, everything that's Certainly. involved. Well, that's just a start. Probably a bunch yeah. of things I don't even know about that I haven't even considered. You couldn't handle it. <laughs> no, I couldn't. <laughs> I just I just can't. I just, I'm just, i amazed that so many people that have had enough experience with material success continue to think that more material success is the answer to their uh, their lack of happiness. Yeah, yeah. Again, I think you're philosophizing too much. These, uh, this guy and his wife, they gave half, half a million bucks to charity. Well, there you go. They're nice people. Nice causes. Right, right. The guy's successful at his job. He's intelligent. So he's got a. Sex he's dungeon. a lot of different things, including a guy with a sex dungeon. It's not like that summarizes his whole being. Exactly. In this case, the guy's a sicko. But you know, I, again, I think you're you're coming off as a, 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 a Puritan. Over here. <laughs> Our text Look, line I'm is, a husband, I'm a father, I'm a, f- a philanthropist, I, I'm a successful uh, broker. I have a sex dungeon, I, uh, I work at the Boy Scouts. At the, what? What was that other part you mentioned there? there? About again, the Boy Scouts? No, before the Boy Scouts. Sex dungeon? One aspect. One aspect <laughs> of his being. Doesn't summarize him. My Don't God, get you're hung insulting. up on it, man. Armstrong and Getty.
Overnight, the city began constructing these emergency shelters meant to house illegal immigrants released from Border Patrol custody. By afternoon, migrants had already started arriving. The city says they have to build this compound to help house an overwhelming amount of migrants left stranded in McAllen after release by the federal government. The city writing in a statement they intend to, quote, demand relief from the federal government for the alarming number of immigrants that are being released into the city of McAllen, and that as these immigrants are released, the federal government does not test them for COVID-19. The city of McAllen says the federal government has released over 7,000 COVID-positive migrants into their city since February, including more than 1,500 in just the last week alone. Incredible. But that story, the, the story of the border, as we keep reminding you, is only being told in Fox and the New York Post. It doesn't, I don't see it anywhere else. There are cities in Texas that are losing their minds with anger at the federal government as thousands of people, literally thousands of COVID-positive people are sent onto their streets and hundreds of thousands that may or may not be are just turned loose into the country. It's unbelievable. Oh, and and irony of ironies, the uh, Biden administration just announced we're going to continue the Trump-era policy of we're sending you back to your country. Uh, You can apply for asylum there. We're overwhelmed. Screw it. Uh, Remember that? That was racist and xenophobic and cruel and the rest of it. Well, now Biden's doing it because they've permitted the, the border to degenerate so badly. And if you uh, if a business says uh, if they come up with a plan, uh, they're going to demand vaccine cards in New York. That becomes a conversation on cable news. The fact that thousands of people with COVID are coming across the border and just heading out into America. eh, They ain't got any time to even talk about that. We have some breaking political news. But before we get to that, a personal story that I will keep very short. And you might not get this story if you don't know all the details. I'm just going to assume you know the, a little of the backstory uh, 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 on this because I don't want to get, I don't, don't want to go too far down the road. Um, my my uh, nine year old, who is a heck of a challenge for us, uh, and we're hoping to get into school for the first time this year and everything like that. Um, <laughs> uh, so as uh, we got into an argument, I wanted him to do something that he didn't want to do, and I was trying to get him to do something uh, like clean his room, set the table ish sort of things, trying to get him to do mm-hmm. something. He got mad at me, and he said, no wonder mom left you. Oh, boy. Was his response. (laughs) So, How's that? That escalated. (laughs) How's that for a wounding comment? Jiminy. Yeah, well, you got to know the participants. Exactly, kids. He's a child. Anyway, so breaking news here. Um... Mitch McConnell just said, and boy, you want a fun political fight. Here, Here's one for you. Oh, boy. Uh, Mitch McConnell just said that the GOP will block a, the debt limit hike if Democrats pursue spending plans. So if the Democrats push forward on this infrastructure stuff, which they will, the Republicans are going to block the raising of the debt ceiling. So it's going to be. And enough. you know what that'll bring, right? You know what that leads to? Do you remember, folks? Cannib- Come on now. Cannibalism. We've had- We've had, well, eventually, yes. Uh, we've had a couple of them. Government shutdown. Government shutdown. What about the government shutdown? Is there a chance of a government shutdown? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God. Kill yep. me now. Kill me. I know. <laughs> I know. God. And they'll shut down the national parks and close off the national forests that you wander through and look at birds. And they'll shut down the beaches. That's a government shutdown. Yeah, oh, friggin' believable. This will be annoying. 
I don't know how much more of this I can take. Can we talk about, can we do sports talk or something? Recipes? No wonder mom left you, he says. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Cheers. That's, if, a, that's a out of bounds. <laughs> Personal foul. Yeah, 15 yards. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes, son. Hmm. Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, we, we've chewed I up virtually virtu- laughed. I tried not to laugh, but I, like, stifled it. It's like, wow, that is something. Dude, you don't understand. Yeah, that's that's so not good. Oh, well, we were going to do Joe Closes His Tabs during this segment. Oh, man. I was really excited. I had a lot of good tabs to close. Can it happen in hour four? Well, maybe, but a lot of people uh, won't, don't get hour four on the air, Jack. What good will it do? Well, they can pick up the podcast when they go to armstrongandgetty.com. That's right, Jack. Fabulous. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. So jivey. So stupid. But true, you can grab anything you miss via podcasts, Armstrong and Getty On Demand at armstrongandgetty.com. Gal suing the city of Los Angeles because she had to walk around a bum and junkie camp and was hit by a car because she couldn't walk on the sidewalk. I hope she wins. I hope she wins lots of money. Granted, wow. it's taxpayer money, but sometimes it's the only way to get uh, get their attention. That's interesting. I have friends texting me. Oh my God, he said that. Yeah, I know. That's uh, that's something. I don't even know. But how do you think of that? I don't. Yikes! That's mean. Armstrong and Getty.